Today, before we get started, I would like to acknowledge and respect and honor our First Nations whose traditional territory operates on School District 8 and all the people residing within the boundaries of School District 8. I would like to give a huge thank you to all the staff in School District 8. Little things make the biggest difference in people's lives. Welcome to my workshop, Alexis's Journey, Learning About Inclusion for All. Today, we are again honored to be here on behalf of people living with diverse abilities and supporting World Inclusion Month or World Inclusion Month is October, by the way. So we are honored to be here and I'd like to introduce my co-host Ashley, who has been who has engaged in public speaking for since 2015 now. So yeah, she enjoys horse riding, much like myself, which you'll hear about later in the slides. Okay. Hi, everyone. As Alexa said, my name is Ashley. I work for the Rick Hansen Foundation. And so, yeah, we're going to be here today presenting to you all. And we're just asking that if you have questions, feel free to engage with us because we'd love to hear from you. And at least for me, no question is off of the table. So don't feel like you're going to offend or like, ugh. Please ask, that's why we're here. We want to have those conversations with you. Uh, a little bit about me is I also have cerebral palsy. I walk with a cane who my students have affectionately named Patrick. I work as an education assistant in a private school in Surrey. And before that, I rode horses for the Canadian Paralympic team in the sport of dressage. So I represented Canada in Beijing in 2008, in London in 2012, and Rio in 2016 before I retired. And now I play with kids all day and am an ambassador for Rick Hansen and Right to Play. That's a little bit about me. I'll hand it back to Alexis. Explain what an ambassador does, please, actually, before we move on. Yeah, absolutely. So essentially, I am here to answer your questions and I'm here to talk about inclusion and accessibility for all and sort of help you dig out your thoughts and ways in which you can include everyone in your classrooms or communities, regardless of whether they walk, roll, or in my case, wobble. I'm just here to be a face to say like, I know you have questions and maybe there's some fear or doubt or uncertainty and we're just here to be like please ask let us help you in the ways that we can awesome introduction ash thanks T today we are going to explore the following topics and we're really gonna look at learning about what the bear my barriers to inclusion and accessibilities, tips for inclusive in the classroom, 
some facts about disabilities and my story. And then I'm gonna teach you how you maybe can help the students live a good life and see them succeed to their fullest potential. In August, I met with Brittany Anderson and MLA Dan Coulter, who gave me the following information. 22% of BC's population lives with a disability. According to the World Health Organization, 15% of the world's population lives with a disability and BC is Inclusion Month and October is BC Inclusion Month. A little about me. I love baking. I was born in Edmonton, Alberta. I was born three, three months premature with cerebral palsy, which caused me to have a brain bleed because they took me off oxygen too soon. And fortunately for my sister, the, doc, the doctors learned from this and did not take my sister off oxygen, so she does not have cerebral palsy. Fun facts about me. I love baking, getting my hands dirty. I love school and never want to miss a class. I have a podcast teaching, teaching others about inclusion and accessibility. I am determined I have gone dog sledding, which basically was the fundraiser that started the whole idea of what is accessibility and inclusion to me, why is it important, and what do I need to do to my next steps, and then started the journey of the podcast. I'm determined. I have weight surf. I'm visually impaired. I would like to work in the medical field. What is cerebral palsy? Cerebral palsy is the most common physical disability discovered in childhood up to, for, up to age three. Cerebral palsy affects the muscles used to maintain balance and good posture. Next slide. Specific obstacles to me. Walking and getting around. I use a posterior walker, which means you pull it behind you, which means I sometimes run into walls, which you can imagine would be pretty difficult to navigate a classroom with tables and chairs and the way to success. And learning, my, 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 my best learning technology that I have discovered was online programs like OrbitNote and stuff like that. So it allows me the independence so that I can work independently without relying on somebody else. Because relying on somebody else is pointless because you're not always going to have people there for you to rely on. And I feel pretty fantastic when I do learn by myself. 
I feel more accomplished when I do it myself rather than some somebody else doing it for me. Vision. Difficulties. It is really a struggle for me to use my eyes all day at school and come home and have enough energy to pursue daily life activities like going to OT, going to PT. So I have to make different adaptations. I prefer larger print. I prefer higher contrast. I may use a video magnifier to make things bigger. Accepting my differences and the feeling of burnout. Actually, do you have an example? For burnout? Yes. Yeah, so often um, people with cerebral palsy and like a lot of of physical disabilities, I'm like, we are using three times as much energy um, to do the things that you are doing. So walking, getting up, carrying something, thinking, it's just, I, I say that my body is full of bad wiring and short circuits. And so my brain can send a message to my feet, but maybe 50% of the time it properly gets there. And so, yeah, just to be aware of, um, when you see a student or anyone really kind of hitting that wall uh, to know that like that as much that's as much as I have in my tank so even just saying oh take a short break or like that might not work for everyone so just being aware of the little red flags that pop up and and being willing to sort of go down a different path or take a pause helps a lot with burnout yes and for some people, they don't like to show their burnout because they love school and they want to continue learning. But sometimes they get home at the end of the day and go, wow, I really should have taken a break. So encouraging people to do things, even when they don't want to stop working because they love learning, is the best way to deal with watch for feeling with burnout. My story. Last July, I had to stand in front of town council to make my school more accessible. So here we are standing in front of town council, advocating, presenting my letter to make my school more accessible. And one of the things highlights that's on the agenda is to make and school, the school more inclusive and accessible to me, which meant a lot. Meant that I was actually able to open up the bathroom because they put the electric doors on the bathroom. And that was really helpful. And I had to write a letter and push. And within a month, council approved that. Let me tell you a story. When I was younger, the focus was too often on what I couldn't do until my parents discovered the benefits of therapeutic writing and thought, well, that might be worth a try. And so horse riding really made me change my perspective and made me open up to the world 
and think about what limitless potential meant to me and how the ther how letting your disability out to the world is sometimes an advantage, if that makes sense. And today I will be playing a little bit of my podcast for you, just so you can get a sense of what really happened. This changed my whole entire perspective and really helped me to know that there's other people out there who struggle. It really made me feel less isolated. Next slide. Sean, who is Sean Marsolet? Sean Marsolet is a found, the founder of Blind Beginning, who is very inspirational to me because her outlook on life was something that I really thought, hmm, I want to carry this through in life. So her inspiration in life helped me pick up, I picked it up really well, because she showed me her inspiration on life, and she, she really showed that she cared and wanted to share it with people with disabilities. Next slide. Sorry, Alexis, if you want us to play the, the, the clips. Yes. Okay. I'm in my 40s. I grew up with a visual impairment. I was diagnosed when I was five with retinitis pigmentosa, which is a degenerative eye condition. Um, so throughout my childhood, I could kind of see a little, but not great. Um, but I didn't actually know that I was legally blind until I was 12. Um, I'm today a registered counselor. I am a nonprofit um, leader and I'm a mother and I'm a retired Paralympic athlete. So I'm, I think, a multi-layered person. <laughs> awesome. That And she really made my outlook, her outlook on life really shines a white light to my outlook on my life and my heart. So that's what, why that was so meaningful to me in order to show it to you guys. Um, so there are some barriers, but but really, truly, the biggest barrier for me was myself believing that I couldn't do stuff. So once I started realizing that I could or that I had to at least allow myself to try it before I decided that I couldn't, everything kind of changed. So, you know, I became an athlete and um, I applied to work abroad. I went to England to work at a school for the blind where I knew nobody. Uh, I was there for six months. That was probably the biggest limitless <laughs> thing that I faced was just like, okay, I'm going to go far away from all of my support system and live by myself. And, and it was so, it was so scary, but it was so amazing. So I've traveled quite a bit um, as an athlete as well. And, and then starting my nonprofit, it was like quitting my job to, to do a thing again that I didn't really know how to do, but was passionate about. So 
and becoming a mother is another one. I think that was, whew, that was tough. I mean, it still is. <laughs> He's only eight. So yeah, I feel like definitely the second half of my life I've been I've been sort of embracing that there are limitless possibilities and I want to have as many opportunities and experiences as I can. Right? So many people don't understand how how much abilities people with disabilities do have. Absolutely. Tell us about what inspired you to create. And the fact that she is a nonprofit organizer, she really makes me see my future leading as a nonprofit leader as well. Eventually, I want to start a nonprofit supporting people with disabilities. Here's the second one for you. Who is Marco? Marco is an inspirational speaker, accessibility consultant, and entrepreneur. He's very meaningful to me because him and I look at each other and reflect, reflect back on when we were younger and how we used to see life differently and how now we're both presenting to the world. And this one was meaningful to me because he actually has cerebral palsy and is an inclusion specialist. So this one shows you a bit about how, how adapting PE doesn't have to mean carving out a whole program. It just has to be a subtle adjustment. When I was in high school and we were in PE class, one of my favorite um, sports, I guess you'd say, or activities to play was dodgeball. And this is simply because the activity was modified for me in a way that I could be feel like I was involved and that I wasn't to be seen as somebody different. So the only thing the teacher had to do is said, okay, well, if Marco wants to play dodgeball, then we'll just make a subtle adjustment. And that means, so if he's playing, and somebody throws the ball at him, it only counts if you hit him in the body, not in the wheelchair. So of course this meant that I was the first person chosen on every team so that they could use me as the official shield to block all of the balls, right? But the cool thing about this is that now I was being actually actively sought after my fellow colleagues and my peers to be a part of their team. And I was actually allowed to take some of the balls and store them in the spokes of my wheels so that I could kind of have it easier to store the balls instead of having them on my lap and trying to wheel, store them in my spokes so I could kind of unload on people. And that was so fun for me. I still have memories to this day of being able to be involved in that way. And it was simply because the teacher made a very subtle adjustment to the rules so that I could be involved. And so I hope that in hearing this podcast today, other teachers, if they're listening, they can be inspired in the fact that you don't have to carve out an entire special program for somebody who identifies as having a disability, but rather making subtle changes can go a long way so that you can get involved with everyone, regardless of their ability. Next slide. Brianna. Brianna shares kind of a similar story, but Brianna was very meaningful to me because 
She was a huge support when I was in rehab and had to spend six weeks away from school, which really stressed me out and was was a little bit frustrating because I had I don't I dislike having to catch up on schoolwork because it puts me behind and I'm a I like to be a good student and keep on top of things. So here's Brianna. Are there any sports or activities that you would like to be in, participate in? Well, I think for sports and activities, they've always been a challenge, especially dealing with CMT and not being able to, you know, jump really high and stuff. But I really like to do stuff like basketball, badminton, baseball, volleyball, maybe some swimming, stuff like that I really enjoy. Awesome. How do they adapt basketball so you can play well, I've heard of um, wheelchair basketball, which I've tried, but I think the thing that I enjoy more is when they lower down the baskets so they're easier for me to shoot a hoop instead of having to find that distance to jump up and then shoot the hoop. Yes. I'm planning. So that was Brianna. And this is Lexi. Lexi was totally, uh, totally, I don't want to say able-bodied living life. And then one day she was out in the woods, got a tick bite and caught Lyme disease and her whole life has changed. And so now her and I can relate to very many circumstances in life about feeling burnt out, feeling overstimulated. So that's why the podcast is meaningful to me. And life and play, you know, in your life, so. Yes. Totally. Mm. Lexi, can you please tell us how it feels to be exhausted all the time and overstimulated by noise? Uh, frustrating. <laughs> Very frustrating, I would say, to say the least. My nature is very outgoing and, you know, I'm, I like to be upbeat and silly and, you know, have a good time and take care of everybody. So for me, having this change and being exhausted and not being able to handle certain noises or not being able to think well when certain noises are happening can be really frustrating whether I'm out with friends and I'm not able to critically think to how to get a ride home because there's too much stimulus on and I kind of go into a bit of a freeze state or something just really simple like you know, family, family dinner and not being able to be outgoing and super positive because, you know, kids are running around and dishes are banging. And I get really frustrated that I just can't be who I want to be in that moment. And I think probably underneath that frustration is 
quite a bit of like sadness, right? That I didn't choose this life in that way. Like I didn't choose this illness and it can affect me and cause me to make, have to make different choices in my life. I don't mean to laugh. Uh, the reason why I said I don't mean to laugh is because that's so true. Like, that's that's good to hear on a podcast because some people with disabilities don't really want to be that vulnerable, which I appreciated about Lexi. She was vulnerable. She was very true and made me feel like I could relate. Thank you. Ashley. Yes, ma'am. This is yours. Yes. Okay. An attitudinal barrier is essentially, I mean, lots of things that we as wobbly people face all of the time is when you look at me, you can see that I walk differently than you. I walk with a cane and it is very apparent that I at least to me, that I didn't, I'm not just, I didn't sprain my ankle. So people assume, make assumptions that um, because I was born with a disability, I have this like sad life and I have no fun. And there's lots of, oh, there seems to be this pity side of things. And it, you want to say to people like, I know it looks like I'm struggling and some days and many days I am, but that's true for every human. Right. You can just see my struggle on the outside and yours is happening in different spheres of your life. It's happening on the inside of you. And so the fact that everyone struggles is a human thing. And so I usually like to say, like, yes, I I have a hard time walking, but my life has been beautiful. Like I I have skydived and skied and bungee jumped and I've been to. 24 different countries on the back of a horse and other places and I have a beautiful community and friends and a full-time job and I volunteer and so to to just see me and think sadness and and that everything is hard and a struggle is something that you want to sort of like shake out of people like please please have a conversation with me get to know me ask me questions like you know, I wrote a book, read the book, please, like, because I know you want to know, and I want to tell you. And so yeah, we're just facing attitudinal barriers. An attitudinal barrier to me is something an, a person unintentionally does that makes you feel sad or down about your disability. So I'm saying, somebody says oh Alexis you're so brave to do that roller coaster I say it's part of life I'm just living my life with a disability my one easily recommended tip to decrease attitudinal barriers is just to please make sure you ask the students if they need help and make sure you if you're planning an event outside of classroom make sure you let them know and they can tell you if it's accessible to them or not and if they even want to come and just when walking just leave at least 
five to 10 minutes between being the whole class walking down the hallway and being one person. Because sometimes when we, as people with disabilities, walk down the hallway, we have to take the whole hallway. And we don't want to feel like we're being trampled and run over by a whole bunch of people. If I'm sure how to refer to people with disabilities, please ask. There's nothing more worse than somebody saying, oh, you're just a disabled human being, and I prefer to be recognized as Alexis, the human being who has a great life and goes to school proudly. Next slide. Accessibility. Accessibility has been a big barrier of mine. I've actually had to do a lot of advocacy within my school. And some, some areas like the hallway, the bathrooms, the hallway, the bathrooms, getting into medical appointments have been so inaccessible. I've had to, had to ask for them to change. So my message to anybody who's struggling with this is if you feel it's right, do it. If you feel advocacy is right, do it. And don't sit there and suffer and not be able to do things in life you want to do because you're not reaching your goals. Mobility. I struggle with moving fast enough and processing information that is sometimes overstimulating to have somebody move your hands for you. And some days it's too fast and other days your brain just goes, well, I really like this, keep going. And some days your brain is like, oh, this is overstimulating, go into overstimulation mode, if that makes sense. Ash, maybe you wanna clarify? Um, some mobility or accessibility for sure. So yeah, again, as Alexis said, it's definitely, it doesn't always have to be this big expensive, like we need to build a new building or um, accessibility inclusion can be simple and small. And uh, you can look around and say, hey, if we just shoved this this way or made this door this way or if we looked at these lights like if you just kind of stopped and looked around and thought okay if I was sitting in a wheelchair or using a cane or blind like if you tried to step into someone's shoes you would for sure start to think like them and see the world like them and yeah my message would be it just doesn't always have to be this like multi-million dollar solution it can be simple and have huge impact, not just for the wobbly ones in your classrooms, but the entire school community or community at large. Yes, and mobility too. Actually wanna clarify that piece. Um, in what sense, sorry, Alexis? Do you, do you wanna just reiterate what I said in case it Oh, yeah. So mobility, again, can be different for everyone who has a disability, depending on what part of your body is affected. So, again, it's just, as Alexis said, it's 
all about asking questions. I'd rather you ask me, uh, hey, is this okay? Or I was thinking we're about to go on a 10 kilometer hike. Do you feel like you wanna do that? Or can we drop you off at the top in the gondola so that you can still uh, join us on the field trip? We, we'd love for you to come. Or, you know, like I've been caving with my students in my classroom and how did I go caving? I made sure that like a friend of mine came with me who was literally, I was like, literally like, you're going to be dragging me through a cave. And then the place that was like working at the cave, they gave me like one worker. So I got through the cave with my group of people, but was also able to do it with my classroom. So yeah, just ways of like thinking outside the box, I would encourage. Yes. And Sunday's planning takes a whole whack of a lot of energy because we as people with disabilities always have to plan and prepare and it takes a lot of energy. So when you think about people, students, I want you to think that as much energy as it takes you times that by three or four. And that's how much energy the person with a disability is stretching out of their tank to do the activity. So it's got to be really meaningful to them. Number one tip. Ways to assist people with disabilities to promote success inclusively. Not, not Nobody deserves to be looked down at or to feel like they're having a conversation towards somebody else's lower body. They deserve to have eye contact. If they can't make eye contact, please do your best to accommodate them. Whether it's not standing up, sitting in a chair and enjoying life, please consider the following adaptations. Consider how people, when talking about physical education, please consider how people move, what they need to do, how they need to move to make adaptations, to make it simpler for them so they can actually enjoy PE and enjoy spending time with their classmates and not feel so, feel so like this isn't my community why should I be even in here always adjust to the strengths of the person and the needs so again I'd really like to reinforce that everyone has different needs and that's totally fine but always just be willing to be open and have those conversations with students. And just don't do it in front of the class, but do it with them ahead of time so they can process what you're saying before they make a decision. Make sure that they're, make sure that you you do your best to make the websites the accessible formats accessible as possible so that could be making it larger making it a pdf making it 
a Google form, making it, making sure there's space in between the desks and no obstacles in the hallway and no obstacles to the way to success either. Because nobody likes that. It makes them angry. Thank you to my Needing Money People supporters. And thank you as well to the Rick Hansen Foundation School Program, Sophia Debji, Melissa Line, Ashley Gownlock, and Marco Pasqua. This is you, Ashley. I'm on it. I'm ready. So I'm just going to jump in and give you the spiel, spiel about the Rick Hansen Foundation. We have um, ambassador programs, as Alexis said. So we have people with diverse abilities that can come into your classroom and talk with your kids about uh, their their journey as a person with a disability and then we kind of engage them and okay if you were me how would we solve these problems in the school we also have a ton of resources you as a teacher to sort of how can I bring the ideas of accessibility and inclusion for all into my classroom uh, there's webinars there's just we have things coming out of our ears so please if you are like how do I get this in my classroom? Or this is what I was thinking. Do you have anything else that could help me do that? Please reach out to us. We would love to help you. Do you have your contact information on the slide? I can definitely put it in the chat if that's necessary. All right. Yeah, I'll do that right now. Questions. Now it's your turn to ask questions. And Alexis, would you mind if, do you want the questions in the chat or would you, are you okay with people? Just put uh, their hands up one, one at a time. Okay, so you can put your hands up if, if you have any questions. Yeah, and if I'm answering a question, just put it in the chat. Well, I talk to the other person and I think we'll get back to you. Okay, so if you have questions for Alexis, um, you can put your hand up and, and I think that Alexis can, uh, you can see the hands. Um, yeah, but you gotta stop sharing. Yeah. And if, yeah, so if you have questions, put up your hand uh, and then Alexis will get to you. Hi, Karen. Hi. Yes. Um, I can't find myself. Oh, there I am. <laughs> uh, so I'm just wondering, when you look back at, you're now in grade 10, and when you look back at your whole school, all of your school years, is there something that stands out to you as being, like, what would be your favorite example of teachers helping to make either the classroom or your schoolwork accessible to you? My favorite example of that would be last year where Mr. Beery and Sophia really 
really worked well together to make me feel like I was actually included. And not saying that the teachers this year don't, but they, I think it partially helped that Mr. Beery's dad has a disability and there was some relationship there. Does that make sense? That was a very good question. Any others? I think Deanna has a question. Deanna. Thank you so much uh, for your presentation, Alexis, and for answering our questions. Um, I actually have two questions, if that's okay. Sure. My first question is, uh, what part of the medical field do you think you might be interested in pursuing? And my second question is, what have you found? I know you talked about uh, removing some furniture from uh, classrooms is helpful. Are there any other things that you've found really helpful um, in a learning environment that we could help people to understand? Thank you. So first of all, I wanna go into psychology because I've had some really good experiences with psychology being a person with a disability. Second of all, um, just maybe if you're gonna, I get that this may not happen with all the teachers, but if you're gonna put somebody on an adaptable, accessible format, maybe put somebody else with them on as a partner so that they don't feel less left out and they can say, did you try this? How is it for you? Does that answer your question, Deanna? Yes, yes. Thank you, Alexis. Thank you so much. Anyone else? Sophia? Thanks. Um, so I have listened to all of your podcasts, yes. and they're all super amazing. Um, and I've learned something from each and one each and every one of them. And at the end of your podcast, you ask your, the person that you're interviewing, what do you think makes a mighty person? And I love all the different answers that come out of it. And so I'm going to ask you, Alexis, what do you think makes a mighty person? Well, anybody who stands up is brave, not as brave, but is, is willing to give, give themselves to, open up and let people hear their perspective and people who are willing to listen. Now to all the staff, what do you think makes a mighty person? Any questions with that? Rachel. Alexis, I thought your presentation was excellent. And I was wondering if I, I noticed at the beginning you asked Sophia to record it, if, if where we will be able to find that recording so we, and if you, we have your permission to share it with other people. I'll probably put it up as a podcast for this month. Just because it's easier to do it that way after you edit and record and play around with it. And yes, you do. But I would like an email first, knowing that it's run out there. And because it's kind of cool to see 
How are you? How are you, girl? Hey, thank you. Does that answer your question? Yes, it does. I think Deanna has another question. Deanna. Thank you. Thanks for answering our questions, Alexis. Um, uh, I have another couple of questions. You're a grade 10 student, so you don't have, you've got a few years left in school. Um, and uh, you said that you were looking at starting a nonprofit. Um, yes. Is that something that you're thinking about doing before you graduate? Or are you thinking about doing that after you graduate? Um, and we're, then the second, oh, sorry. We're in the process of it. Okay. Um, and then can I ask another another question along with that? Sure. Thank you. Uh, what kind of nonprofit are you thinking about uh, starting? One that supports people with cerebral palsy. Melissa, you can maybe help me speak to this because I do go to a lot of the Cerebral Palsy Association and I really enjoy it. their meetings. They're just really enjoyable yeah thanks alexis um i'm so glad you want to um do um a start a new a non-profit i'm very happy to hear that um yeah the cerebral policy association of dc is a great organization that i work for as a disability consultant and that's how i got involved with alexis um through them and um, I'm I'm a disability consultant for them, and I'm also a blog writer and a Facebook moderator for for private Facebook group. I'm in book, I'm moderating as as I'm on a team right now that's create that has created a resource guide for families on Vancouver Island who have cerebral palsy. So. <clears throat> So I can put my contact info if, if anybody wants it in because I am also I'm also I also started my own consulting business called Accessibility and Inclusion Matter Consulting and I can help I can help people like like teachers and that kind of thing with the new legislation that just launched last month around accessibility and inclusion consult. Accessibility inclusion being a mandatory um, thing in all public and private sectors, from libraries to schools mm. to to grocery stores. So I'm just going to put the my contact info in here. Um, I'm gonna put my email first. And then uh, I'll let I'll let Alexis talk now. So that's my logbook. I'll put my website and my email in. So thank you for letting me have a little voice in here, Alexis. Thank you. You're welcome. Any other questions related to today's presentation for me? Sophia. Um, so yeah, thank you for taking my question, Alexis. Uh, my question is, um, you mentioned therapeutic riding. Yeah. Um, and uh, Ashley, you're a rider. You've mm -hmm. been to the Olympics, Paralympics because of it. Did you start off with therapeutic riding? Yeah, I did. So um, 
I hated like conventional physical therapy when I was younger. I would like fight my parents tooth and nail. And so finally at the age of like two and a half, uh, my physio was like, let's trick her. She likes animals. Let's just throw her on a horse and she'll be doing the exact same things that I ask her to do every day, but hopefully she likes the horse and we'll see what happens because a horse can move like the way that an able-bodied person walks, a horse can move their body in that way. So as someone who can't mimic the way that you walk, it's really good for stretching and balance and coordination. So that's how it started. At two and a half, I was sitting on a horse with another human with my hockey helmet on, like smiling from ear to ear, and then uh, got bit by the horse bug. And I think my parents may regret that decision because then I told everyone when I was six years old that I was going to go to the Olympics and ride horses all over the world. And it just took everyone else a little bit longer to catch up with that little goal. But yeah, that is essentially how it started. It was good for walking and stretching. And for me, uh, cerebral palsy is a lot of spasticity and stiffness. And so my parents were literally having to like pull me apart. And so if you were to ride a horse as an able-bodied person, from what I'd heard from the words that come out of your mouth, you get off and you're like, oh, I'm so stiff, I can't move. But it's the opposite for me. I get off and I'm like, oh, everything is so loose and this feels so nice. And, and then gradually about an hour and a half later, everything stiffens up again. So yeah, for me, it's freedom. It's fast. I can go as far as I want, as fast as I want. Like I'm never running under my own power, but on a horse, I'm for sure doing that. So it was a mix of good physio, good freedom. They're good for your soul. They'll never say, hey, you wobbly one, you can't get on my back just because you can't get on like everyone else. Yeah, I echo that. It's a huge sense of freedom and it's what started both of our journeys, which is why I wanted to bring her up here today to explain the journey of, start. first of all, starting at horse riding, second off, being an EA who wrote a book with cerebral palsy. That's awesome. Thank you. I think we have time for one more question. Naomi? Oh, Alexis, I just, can you hear me? Yes. Okay. I just wanted to say thank you. You asked the question, who, what makes a mighty person? And I remember when I was out there visiting you, I asked the same question and I love your answer. And I, I actually haven't followed your last couple of podcasts and I saw that you had one on CMT. I might cry while I say this, but my daughter has CMT. So thank you for having that on there. And um, I'm so glad you are advocating for yourself at this point. My daughter's in university and having to learn to advocate for herself the first time. So you being at the point that you're at is yeah. so awesome and encouraging. So Thank way to you, go. Naomi. And I'm going to send her your podcast and say, what is she go. in university for? She is studying environmental studies. So she's all the way in Halifax and she is, um, Learning to be a mighty mover herself, a mighty changer. Yeah. Yes. So good job. Good job. Any other last questions? No other? I, I think 
That's it. Um, no other last question. Sorry, Sophia, can I just jump in? Yes, yes. Alexis, can I just take a couple of seconds to um, thank you so much for your presentation today? Um, I, I feel like I've shared a journey with you today, and I'm so incredibly grateful for that. I'm so grateful that you've shared yourself as a human being, um, that you've been vulnerable with us today, uh, and that you've shown us limitless possibilities um, that, uh, and, and all, the, all the abilities that uh, people with um, disabilities have. Uh, I, I have learned so much about um, environments that uh, uh, present barriers, um, advocacy for uh, making sure that those barriers are reduced, um, and uh, about your hopes and dreams as uh, you pursue your goals. Um, you are a true role model and just such an inspiration to all of us. And I really, really appreciate your presentation uh, today. And to Ashley and Melissa, thank you so much for joining as well and presenting. Also, we really appreciate that you've taken your time uh, to spend with us today. Thank you. Thank you. That was a great introduction. Any further questions, feel free to shoot me an email, Deanna. Thank you. All right. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, everyone. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Great work, Alexis. Bye. So Thank proud you. of you. Thank you. Bye. Just don't be late for school on Tuesday, Alexis. <laughs> oh, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> Thank you. Any questions? Any last final questions before we leave? Hey, Mr. Reed. Just don't be late. <laughs> Okay, well, we have the presentation on record, so if nobody has any last questions, then I think we're gonna sign off. Yeah.